Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Dr. Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Well, good morning. I want to thank you for your generosity. Linda and I have experienced that in the three years we've been with you. You are a very giving, giving and wonderful people, and thank you for that. And also thank you, Brother Henry, for allowing us the opportunity to come and to preach and uh, do what God has called us to do in our life. Uh, I have found that there are really two great sources of truth in the day and time in which you and I live with all of the fake news and all of the accusations and everything. And these great sources of truth are not to be taken lightly. One of the sources of truth is children. For instance, never ask a child, do I look old or how old do you think I am? Because in their heart, they think that you want the truth. I heard of a, a, a young boy and his dad were in the car together and they were riding to school and the boy told his dad, said, Dad, I wrote my essay uh, and my essay is my daddy, my hero. And daddy's head swelled up real big and everything and he said, Son, uh, why would you write an essay about me? He said, Well, I couldn't spell Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Children always are asking questions, aren't they? Why? Where? When? And sometimes you really just get to the place where you want to say, Would you just be quiet? And one father did that and he told his child, he said, Now you need to know that curiosity killed the cat. The little child looked at him and said, What did the cat want to know? And then I was told this last week of a man who was driving up in Tallahassee and the little boy was sitting in the back seat and they were trying to get across town. And the little boy just out of nowhere said, Dad, before you got married, who told you how to drive? <laughs> Is it true? You ask a child, he'll tell you the truth. The second great source of truth in our day and time is the Word of God. And this day, there is nothing like the Word of God. So my purpose this morning is to share with you the truth of God's Word. I believe it is that truth that will set you free and perhaps give you a new perspective of life. And most importantly of all, it will illuminate God's will for your life. And so I'm going to speak for just a few minutes and then I'm going to give an invitation. Now I told you that to begin with because I'm going to ask you not to be moving around very much. Sometimes we, we feel like we've just got to get up and go or move or maybe we've got to beat the Methodist to the restaurant or whatever it is. And what we don't realize is that our moving around distracts people 
that the Holy Ghost of God is dealing with. And so I'm going to ask you, I promise you I won't be long. I promise you we will be out by 3 o'clock. <laughs> and while I'm, while I'm here, let me just say this. If you show up for my class tonight at 6 o'clock, just have prayer. Because we're not starting the class until next Sunday night. <laughs> July the 7th, okay? It was up there on the screen. July the 7th. If you're like me, uh, you love receiving invitations. Uh, when I receive an invitation, it simply means or, uh, that, that they remembered me. Amen. And usually an invitation uh, will include an RSVP. Well, what does that mean? It's actually French. It means responde si vous plaît. In other words, uh, are you going to come? And usually there'll be a date on there, and if you do not respond by that date, then uh, you can't come. Most invitations that I've received, they cover three very important things. First and foremost, they're telling you who is inviting you. Secondly, they're telling who is invited. For instance, it may say, don't bring your children. And thirdly, it tells you what you're invited to. Now, I believe that there is within the Word of God the greatest invitation that has ever been given. And if you'll find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 11, and verse number 28. Now, those of you that's got a Bible, if you'll open it to that, we'll be there all morning. Those of you that got electronic Bibles, you can turn them on at this time. Now, using the word greatest has almost become... Uh, so common that it's lost much of its significance. Yet I believe that word must be used in connection with this verse. And, and according to Webster's Dictionary in his second definition, he said the word greatest means remarkable in effectiveness, magnitude, and degree. And there are some statements in the Word of God that I believe can only be described as the greatest. Remarkable in effectiveness, magnitude, and degree. Let me give you an illustration. For instance, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, I believe is the greatest instruction for life that you'll ever receive. Here's what it says. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, I believe is the greatest... Uh, can I say this? It is the greatest, what? Invitation, perhaps? Listen to what he says. It's the greatest promise. John 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I love this. Here's the promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Greatest promise in the Word of God. James chapter 4, the greatest, if you will, question that can ever be asked. What is your life? What is your life? Have you stopped to contemplate what you're doing with the gift God has given you? Have you looked back over this last week and saw what occupied your time? What, what you're building what is your life? Greatest question. And then I believe, of course, the greatest illustration in the Bible 
is that found in Luke's Gospel, the 15th chapter, of the man who had the son who went away. And when the son returned, the love of the father overwhelmed him. Maybe you've never needed that. Maybe you've never went away. Maybe you're one of those special, unique individuals. Since the day you got saved, you've been in fellowship with the Father. But I want to confess to you today, that's not the case in my life. I'm so very, very glad that when I came to that place where I began to cry out to a holy God and confess my sin, He wrapped His loving arms around me and said, You are my son. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But before us this morning, the greatest invitation of all time. You got your Bible? Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I say it's the greatest invitation ever given because of who gave it. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is Emmanuel, God in flesh. He is God incarnate. He is God among us. Great R.G. Lee, pastor of the great Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, said it this way. He said he was so much God as if not man at all. He's so much man as if not God at all. He was the God-man. John chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse number 3, the Word of God says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians chapter number 1, the Apostle Paul said it this way, verse number 15, he said, Who is the image, speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. The very fact that you're seated in this auditorium this morning is a gift from an almighty God. He allowed you the privilege of getting up upon your feet this morning. He allowed you the privilege of breathing air this morning. He allowed you the privilege of having a heart that beat and a mind that thought. It is because of Him that you have arrived at this point today. The invitation is from Jesus. He's the mightiest of the mighty. He's the holiest of the holy. He's the loftiest of the lofty. He is more than predominant. He is preeminent. He is Christ the Lord. He is divine in His origin, supreme in His ability, and superior to any other. He is the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star and the firm foundation. The French historian Renoir stated it this way. Let all the greatest of the greatest surprises of the future come, but never has there arisen, nor shall there arise another like Jesus, who is the Christ. The great hymn writer, a fellow by the name of Thomas Hastings, wrote it this way. He says, No mortal can with him compare among the sons of man. Fair is he than all the fair who fills the heavenly tray. I don't know if you've thought about it or not. Socrates taught for 40 years. 
Plato taught for 50 years. Aristotle taught for 40 years. Jesus taught but for three years. Yet the teaching of Christ's three-year ministry so transcends the impact of the combined 130 years of teaching of the three men considered to be the world's greatest philosophers that they pale in comparison into insignificance. Never posed for a picture. Yet the works of Raphael, Michelangelo, and Da Vinci find their greatest inspiration from him. He never composed any music. Yet Handel, Beethoven, and Bach received their highest perfection in hymns and in sonnets composed about him. He never wrote a book. Yet John said, the beloved disciple, that if all he said and did were ever written down, not even the world can contain the volumes that should be written. He never raised an army. Yet those who have died in his name and for his name have been numbered in the millions. Charles Lamb, the great essayist, he said, if Shakespeare came into the room, we'd all stand. But if Jesus came into the room, we would all bow. He is our Lord. He carries our griefs and our sorrows. He is wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes, we are healed. Our sins are nailed to his cross. Our shouts hover above his empty tomb. Our service hinges upon his soon return. He is Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. And he says, come unto me. If you received an invitation in the mail from the President of the United States, he said, I want you to come and I want you to eat with us in the White House. We're going to send a jet down there to Wakulla County. We're going to load you up on that jet. We're going to pay all your expenses, buy everybody in your family a new set of clothes, and come to Washington. You'd be so surprised. Why, dear friend, you'd be so elated. You'd tell everybody you know. You'd strut around in front of your family. We've been invited to the White House. I want to tell you there's one greater than the president inviting you this morning. His name is Jesus. And he says, come unto me. It's the greatest invitation that was ever given because of who gave it. But it's the greatest invitation also because of who it's addressed to. Coming to me, who? All. All. The rich, the poor, the healthy, the sick, the good, the bad, the ugly. They all find their place in this invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He knows the awfulness of sin, which is an alienation, eternal separation from God. There are no little sins. Can I say that? He knows the sinfulness of sin, which is estrangement. You'll be walking in darkness, blinded by the God of this world. He knows the severity of sin, which is damnation. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. He knows the deceitfulness of sin, which leads to eternal separation from God. But I thought could be the epitaph written upon the lives of many individuals. I've met so many, and your pastor has as well. Well, the way I see it, the way I've got it figured out, the way I understand it, oh, dear friend, it doesn't matter your thoughts. 
your enemy will lie to you. I love what Jesus... Oh, by the way, he's an exclusive. I don't know if you know this or not. Jesus is really not interested in segregation. He's interested in separation. In fact, what you find about the Lord Jesus Christ is statements like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl will ever come to the Father but by me. Peter would preach it. He said, there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. He knows you, yet he loves you. And he chose to call, come unto me. He knows the burden that you carry. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, the Word of God says, He was tempted in all ways such as we are. And because of that, He's able to strengthen or succor us in our time of temptation. You may be here this morning, you say, Preacher, nobody cares about me. They don't care what I'm going through. I want to say, He does. He cares and He cries unto you, Come unto me. You say, Preacher, you don't know what I've done. I've been way too bad for him to ever accept me. Would you listen to what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 118? He says, come now, let us reason together. That means God wants to talk to you about your situation. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Listen, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll wash you whiter than snow. You may think that you're too good to come. That preacher's talking about somebody else, not talking about me. I'm not a sinner. Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all, how many is all? All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous. No, not one. Quit looking down the pew at who needs to come. Maybe you need to think about yourself this morning. Say, well, preacher, I'm a little bit thirsty this morning. He's the water of life. Preacher, I'm a little bit hungry this morning. He's the bread of life. Preacher, I'm a little bit tired this morning. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. What do you need? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I've read that John Newton's speech, the way he talked before he was saved, was so vile and wicked that many of the ports where his ship would find safe harbor would not let him set foot off the boat while he was in port. But one day, John Newton heard the cry, Come unto me. I share with you the epitaph that is written upon John Newton's tombstone. Newton's tombstone reads, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and a libertine, a seller of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Why is that important? Well, John Newton has left us a legacy in a hundred of different hymns that he has written, perhaps none as famous as Amazing Grace. Can I read to you what he wrote? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved 
a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. Oh, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Oh, it's the greatest invitation because of who gave it. It's the greatest invitation because of who it was given to. But thirdly, and I close with this, it is the greatest invitation because of what it's about and what it assures. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and you'll find, don't you love this word? Rest for your soul. Have you ever been tired? No, no, I, I'm talking about tarred. I've done a little bit. I was telling somebody the other day, we've been in the ministry now close to 45 years. And I've had to do just about everything in the world you can imagine. I've been a police officer. I've been a plumber. Uh, I have been, I've worked uh, building roof trusses. I, I, I've just, whatever it took, driving a backhoe, driving a tractor, whatever it took is what we did. I did have a job one time, though, where I was working in an old-fashioned sawmill. I'm talking about out in the woods, and they were cutting boards into planks. If you want to see one of these old-fashioned sawmills, Brother Casey still got one, I believe. My job in that sawmill, once they run that big, great big old saw down the side of the log, I had to pick up the slab on this side, and then I had to pick up the slab on this side, and I had to walk over to a throwaway bin, and you had to walk just right, because if you ever got those slabs going the wrong way, it not only knocked you down, but then you had to pick them up and start all over again. Oh, by the way, that was an eight to ten hour a day job. There were days when I came in, that I was so tired, I'd take a shower and go to bed, not even eat. There were days I would get up in the morning, and I'd think, Lord Jesus, I've slept all night, and I'm just as tired now as I was when I went to bed. Tarred. Why is it that we can get tarred in the physical, and we don't get tarred in the spiritual. Jesus says, come unto me. All you that are laboring, you're carrying that burden. You're struggling to hold up under it. You're trying to get to the end of it. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I love this. And some of you are your, your scholars there are many New Testament words that have been translated from the Greek into the word, the English word, come. Uh, in fact, if you look it up, you're going to find that there's almost 30 different words that they've translated or transliterated into the word come. The word that's used in this particular verse is unique. In fact, it's only found 12 times in all of the New Testament, and 11 of those times, Jesus spoke it. 
ten times in the, in the Gospels and one time in the book of the Revelation. The word in the Greek is the word dute. And it literally means come unto me and find rest for your soul. But listen, when you study it in the Greek, it carries much more significant meaning. It is in the imperative form. And it comes across more than as a simple command. It comes across as a plea. It is almost as if Jesus is begging you. Come unto me. I know what you're going through. I know the burden you carry. I know the strife in your life. I know the labor. Would you just come? If you'll come unto me, you'll find rest for your soul. Hebrews 4, 9, the Bible says, Therefore there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Hmm. Why? Why would God care so much about you and about me that he would beg us come are you ready this is deep theology I don't know if you can handle this or not he asked you to come because he loves you (sighs) but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I was in an old-fashioned camp meeting last week. Can you tell? I tell you, I like to preach myself out on Thursday night. The Spirit of God was so great. Just a small group of people. But I called Brother Al and Sister Lena and I said... I, there's an old-fashioned camp meeting going over in, over in Taylor County, and I want you to come and go with me. I believe it would be a blessing to your heart. And I said, now, it's not like what we've been attending at River of Life. And he said, all right, I'll bring the girls. And so they came, and yeah, I got to confess this. My pastor confessed his the other night, and uh, we was running just a little bit late. It was my fault. I was on the tractor. I forgot about the time. And so I come in, got a quick shower. We loaded up, and we took off, and... You know how Highway 98 is. And I was doing real good. I was making some time. And then I saw those lights. Yes, even preachers get stopped. What made this so bad was the, the, the uh, Taylor County police officer got out and I saw the sergeant stripes and all that. And I said, oh, Lord, goodness love, I may go to jail. He walked up to the car, rolled the window down, handed my license. He smiled and he said, Brother Bill! (laughs) It was one of my boys that I had in baseball so many years ago. (laughs) The sheriff over in Taylor County is a good friend of mine, Brother Wayne Pageant. I said, you're not going to tell Wayne about this, are you? He said, just as soon as I get in the car. He didn't give me a ticket. Thank God. Praise the Lord for that. Got to give God the glory. We got on to the camp meeting. They sang some great songs. 
preacher got up to preach, and old Brother Al tried to amen himself to death, I believe, with all my heart. <laughs> Me and Brother Al had to sit on the front row because we like it where it's hot, and it was hot. In the process of preaching, the preacher gave his testimony. This is what he said. I was a seller and a user of dope and drink. One who led his family from God. I was profane and vulgar. I was a companion of the wayward and the wicked. Yet one day, ringing across the ages, he heard the invitation, Come unto me. He said, I have been so bad that I didn't think there was enough grace to save me. But I found when I came, there was grace sufficient and enough to carry me home. Come unto me. All who come are assured, I'll give you rest. You don't have to carry that burden any longer. The, bi- the, bi- the, the, the fetters that have kept you bound can be broken. You can have real freedom. I'm talking about real freedom this morning. But you got to come. 2,000 years have passed. The same invitation keeps rolling across the ages. Come unto me. RSVP, responde, si vous play. What have you done? With your invitation. In just a moment I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And they're going to play a version of that song. Amazing Grace. Now I want to tell you what's going to happen alright. I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you to come to, be, to, to meet Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never done that. For some of you, you've met Jesus and you've shelved him. He is just a part of your life. He is not the prominent, preeminent part of your life. And I'm going to invite you this morning to come and to cry out to a holy God and take him off the shelf and let him become preeminent in your life again. Worship team, would you come please? The moment that we start to sing, I want you to come. I, I don't want you to wait. If you hesitate, Satan will win the battle. So as soon as you stand to your feet, you want to step out and come. You say, well, preacher, I'm in the middle. Those people will let you out. They know where you're going. In fact, it may very well be that if you're here, ladies, and your husband's with you, You may want to reach over and grab his hand and say, all right, now it's time to quit trying to be a big man. Be a little man for Jesus. Let's us go. It may be husbands that maybe you want to get a hold of your wife and say, look, hon, I failed you. I've let a lot of things come into our life. And Christ is no longer preeminent. And and from now on, he's going to be preeminent in our house, in our home. And you just want to bring your wife, maybe your children, you'll find your place here at this altar. Now let me tell you what's going to happen when you come. I'm going to have a word of prayer with you that are coming that are going to be saved. And we're going to get some information on you. And then we're going to pray with you, all right? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. 
Are you ready? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. If he spoke to your heart and you know you need to come, let's stand and you step out and come right now. Our pastors here at the front. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.